0: always bittersweet when there's like a, you know, series finale, we're exiting the book of Philippians, but I had a feeling it was going to feel this way, and so I want you to know that on Wednesday nights, we are continuing to study uh, the book of Philippians, and so the outlines that are in your worship guide today will give us the final Sunday morning study uh, on reaching for others, but then on, on Wednesday night, for the, through the next month, uh, we are going to continue to study the book of Philippians. Now, I have to tell you that in five or six weeks, our church is going to transition to two services. And we're doing that because uh, we need the space, as you have noticed, okay? Um, we, we need the space, and um, there are uh, uh, of several dozen uh, of our church services family that have to work on Sunday afternoons and have other things where they really, really want to come early, and this crowd would say, why? Okay, <laughs> okay, but that's okay, um, they're not here, so I'm, I'm letting you know, um, we are, uh, we really want to enable them to to come on Sunday mornings as well, so we're going to have a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service uh, starting on April 12th and then continuing uh, until Jesus comes, okay. So, uh, so we're just going to start that service and keep it permanently. Uh, with that being said, I'll t- I'll talk to you more about that later. But in this service, kind of everyone being together, I really want this to be a rally cry. I want this to be a rally cry that we all get behind because reaching for others uh, is so important. Um, why do we Why do we talk about reaching for others when we're when we're studying? Uh, Philippians chapter 4 verses 13 through 23, Uh, mainly because um, there was a man by the name of Epaphroditus. Now this is flu season, so that's not something you catch, okay? Uh, I have a bad case of Epaphroditus, okay? That that was an actual guy, and um, he actually walked 800 miles uh, from Greece. I think we have a, a picture, okay, what it would look like if you Google mapped uh, walking from Philippi, Greece. Okay, I had the privilege of going to Greece and Italy on a on a Bible tour uh, this last fall. It was incredible. But I mean, uh, let me just say that this is not like a small little um, uh, lake or sea. Guys, put put that back up there because I want to show you that Rome is was where uh, Paul was in prison when he's writing this this book through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. And then Macedonia uh, was where Uh, Philippi or Epaphroditus was collecting this offering, this gift that they wanted to give to Paul for the church of Rome, for whatever he was going to use it for the work of the Lord. And so Philippi is in modern day Greece, but it used to be Macedonia, okay? So that's what it was. And by the way, it would take uh, 215 hours, okay, to get there, okay? Um, I don't know if that's swim time. I'm not really sure how that works, but I'm guessing it's with a ferry or whatever, okay? So Epaphroditus walks uh, all that way, and he gets to Paul, and uh, he gives him the offering. Now, let me just give you a little hint. If someone walks 800 miles to give you something, what do you say? Thank Thank you. Now, this is the letter of Paul saying thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, now he has an interesting way of saying it. <laughs> Paul was pretty blunt. Okay, I would have been maybe a little bit different, but but that I wasn't. I wasn't you know being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 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 here's what Paul says. Paul says I got the gift from Epaphroditus, and I want to talk a little bit about contentment. <laughs> oh, okay, um, okay, so. What was happening here was Paul was kind of, I, and, and, and again, you study it out and you, you think what it says. I believe that Paul was kind of feeling bad that this church that was not fill, full of millionaires. Can we identify? Okay. So a, a church that was not filled with millionaires and billionaires took up a really sacrificial offering. And, and they weren't a huge church, but I mean, they really poured out the offering for the work of the Lord, and he was kind of feeling bad. Now, I kind of identify with this, because when I first started pastoring about 16 years ago in Fontana, South Fontana Community Church, when I started pastoring that church, there were seven members all over the age of 70, and I loved them dearly. But there was one thing I was really scared to death of, talking about money. Oh my word. Like, how do I get up and talk to, 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 to this group of people who, whom I love, but I'm just getting to know, and, and about money? And one time, I was so self-conscious of it, I forgot to take the offering. Now, I've recovered from that, and we've always taken one since. But let me just say something, that I learned a valuable lesson on that day when Ruth, one of the founding members of that church, walked up to me. And like only she could, she took her offering and she shoved it in my chest. And she looked at me and she pointed. And I mean, if you knew this lady, how she's in heaven, okay, and so she's listening. Okay, but she she could really, really pour it on thick, okay? And she said, Don't you ever rob me of my opportunity to express my love for God. Yes, ma'am. I, I will take an offering every time. And honestly, it had slipped my mind. But, but you know, subconsciously, I was feeling bad for asking these seven people to give. I was feeling bad. And you know what she did that day? She flipped my perspective. And she said, Wait a second. It's not about you, it's not about the money, it's about him. And it's about what we're doing outside of this small church that has been around for over 100 years. She said, this is is something I love to do. This is something I get to do. Don't rob me of it. Man, that just blew my mind. So I think Paul was feeling a little bit bad about this huge gift that was given and about Epaphroditus wearing out a few pairs of shoes to get it to him. And, And so here he is, he's saying... Now, now, just so you know, verse, verse 11, okay, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, okay, uh, the word content there uh, is, is this Greek word for feeling like you have enough or a sufficient mindset, grateful for the present. He said, now, just so you know, I was grateful for what I had, and, and, and he said, um, we studied this last week, so I'm not going to dive into it, but he said, I mean, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound, and every thing and all things, instructed uh, both to be full and to be hungry, uh, bound suffering. suffer. You know what he's saying in verse 12? I mean, I could have done without your gift. Paul, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> hold up. Paul, what are you trying to say? And he was trying to say, I want you to know that I was content and that, and that contentment was not me. Look at verse number 13. It says this. Verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, let's break that verse down, because that's talking about contentment. He says, I was content before your gift, okay? But what he's about to say is, after your gift, I was so much more content. (laughs) Like, I mean, without your gift, God was strengthening me. Oh, but with your gift, man, I was overflowing. Okay, now we're going to get there. Let's break this verse down. He says, I can do. I can do all things. What is the strength for contentment? Okay, guys, help me break this verse down. All right, so the, the, the strength for contentment is that it's possible. Everyone say, I can do. I can do means it is possible to be content. Then we can understand that it says uh, all things. Everyone say, all things. all things. Okay, so then that all things means it's practical, meaning you can have contentment in any area. You can have contentment at work. Ooh, tread lightly. You, you can have contentment at home. You can have contentment with your phone. Okay, I'm not trying to get too personal. I'm just saying it's practical. Right? So, so it's practical. Uh, contentment is spiritual through Christ. So, so it's Christ that gives us the contentment. And then contentment is gradual, which strengthens me. So it's God that gradually gives you that strength. So he said, uh, it's not that I didn't need your gift. It was that God was the one keeping me kind of encouraged and going uh, until I got the gift from you. Uh, but man, when you gave the gift, wow, what a gift it was. Now there are two really important reminders about giving, and this passage is about others, but but but. The way that we express our heart for God and the way we can touch others greater than anything else is by giving. You say, giving money. Perfect. This is the perfect Sunday for me to come when the pastor's talking about money. That, I'm sure he talks about money every Sunday. And let me tell you, we don't talk about money every Sunday, but money is the greatest indicator for spiritual maturity and growth. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because it is the dipstick of the soul. You pull out that and say, wait a second, is there, is there, is there oil in the engine? No, it's going to blow up. Okay? If, if you're not getting outside yourself, you are self-destructing. You, you, are, you are self-imploding. That's what culture doesn't tell you. Is that self-centeredness really, really is a dangerous disease that must be confronted. And the way we confront it is through giving. So there's two important reminders about giving: uh, the rewards from giving, and the resources for giving. Okay, so there are some rewards for giving: giving of your time. Okay, giving of your resources. We'll talk about that. Uh, but but God does not expect you just to give without supporting you, without strengthening you, without enabling you, without giving you some of these resources that we're going to talk about. So let's go through um, these two. There's only two points, okay, and, and we're, going to, we're going to breeze right through them, all right? Uh, verse number 14, we see that letter A, um, that, or, or number one, that the rewards from focusing on others are twofold. So there are, there are rewards from focusing on others. God tells us what these rewards are in this passage, and I want to give them to you. Um, the first one, letter A, is that generosity always receives a harvest. So when we sow generosity, there's always a harvest that's received. By the way, there's a harvest for greed as well. So when we hold on to things, when it's something that we're just tight-fisted about, which I have been there, okay, so we're, we're, we're in this together. We're learning this passage. This passage hit me just as hard as it might hit you let me just say something that, that there's a, always a harvest. Now look at verse number uh, 14 through 17. We'll kind of get into what, what Paul's trying to say. He says, uh, so, so, he, so he said, I'm, I'm, I was content notwithstanding. So he's like, nevertheless. It was almost like he's exhaling. Like I have to say that I was being content. I wasn't like grumbling, like I didn't have enough in prison. But notwithstanding, you have done well. You have done well. How have they done well? Well, it says that you did communicate with mine affliction. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when when I departed from Macedonia, we saw where that is, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, uh, which is still a modern day, one of the key cities in Greece, Ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Let's talk about this. What is he trying to say about the harvest? Why does he use fruit that may abound? Why why is he talking about communicating? What what is this all about? Why Why is he focused on this? Well, he's focused on this because generosity is what turns people into partners. It's what turns people into partners, and I want you to look at the word communicated, okay? It's, it's this word koinonia, uh, or "koinonio," and, and, it's, and it's much like the word fellowship that we have in the Bible, okay? Fellowship, two fellows in the same ship, if you want to use that, okay? And to have uh, a, a shared perspective, or, 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 or to contribute to, to participate in, but it really goes deeper than that, because it's talking about sharing resources, or to show the proof of partnership. So when he said you communicated, he was literally saying you put yourself in my shoes of affliction and you said what would I need in Paul's place in prison and how can we meet that need? Let me tell you something. The greatest thing every person in this room longs for, every person, regardless of if you were like one of those really outgoing people this morning where you're like clapping and raising your hand or if you were the person next to that person saying, Really? So regardless of what your personality is, by the way, we, some people wor- worship inwardly, some people worship outwardly, that's great. But we all should be excited about God, I get that. and some, some people are excited inwardly, and that's good. But let me just say something. What Paul's trying to say here is that empathy is placing yourself into the other person's shoes and feeling what they feel. And partnering with them based on that need. It's one thing for me to just say, I'm praying for you. And I do pray for many of you. But let me just say something. It's another thing for me to feel what you're feeling. It's another thing for me to say, man, I'm partnering with you. It's another thing for me to say, how can I help you? That's different. That's communication. That's a partnership. And so generosity is focused on, uh, uh, completely focused on the needs of others. And it's not just for an eternal gain. It's not just for an eternal benefit or harvest. It's for an, an important health priority for your soul. See, if you're not focused on others, you'll be focused on yourself. You're robbing yourself of your own health. Why? Because we were never meant to hold on to what belongs to someone else. See, God doesn't just bless you so that you can feel blessed and sing about it. He blesses you to be a blessing. And until we realize that, we have spiritual constipation. Some of your faces, like, he just said constipation. You know Jesus used that word? Jesus talked about stopping up the giving. You can read it. Let me tell you something that is so important that when you're giving starts flowing your resources stop molding what did jesus say in matthew chapter 6 he says lay up lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth this is not a verse against a savings account by the way okay um please save and have a budget okay but but don't put all your weight don't put all your faith in that saving account why Does moths, where moths and rust doth corrupt? People were piling up all the clothes and and pretty soon they're like, ah, that has holes all in it. The moths, I I didn't wear it. Can I give you a newsflash? One day, there's going to be an offering. One day, every one of us are going to give away 100% of what we have. And none of us know when that offering is going to come. Because when we pass from this earth to the next, we're not taking anything. You know what would be a wonderful thing? Is if all of us could say, whatever I have, that someone else can use. If God allows me to give it, I'll give it. And, 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 and let me just continue this verse because it says that thieves break through and steal. The other day, we were, we were starting the Bible club, man. Someone broke into our truck. Stole all the stuff in our truck. If it was you, I love you. Bring back my notes from my boys. <laughs> so let me just say something. That, that happens. Right? Thieves are going to break through and steal. But the problem is, if we, if we live life like that's never going to happen, we're devastated when it does. And so... But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Wow, how do I do that? How do I get a bank account in heaven? We're going to talk about that. Where moth nor rust doth corrupt, where three thieves can't break through and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Oh, that's why finances are so important is because our heart is where our money is. So That's why it's important to talk about money. I don't talk about money uh, more than I think I, uh, I, I probably should talk about money more, frankly, because the Bible talks about money a lot. But I, I'm just preaching through this book, and when we come to this passage, I just want you to know that, that Philippians 4 is not just written to the church of Philippi. That it's written to us as well. And that we all want to grow in our heart. We all want to grow inwardly as parents, as, as uh, you know, spouses as as friends as leaders okay we all want to grow in our heart but but if we're not willing to address money we we will be unwilling to address our heart so so let's let's talk about this for a second because when, when he says that I have more in abound because of the gift you've given he was saying I was super content before but now I'm abounding now what's the word abound in, in verse number, I think it's verse number 17. The word abound is to super abound. I like that. Super abound, okay? And, and, and again, that's my personality. Super abound, okay? So my, my wife's always telling me, you're super abounding right now, okay? Tone it down a little bit. It's just us, okay? To make grow, to cause, uh, to be greater, to have so much increase, actually, they have the the word actually means to have too much increase. Like, like I, I can't handle it all, right? Um, spreading beyond the limitation. I mean, it's like this is my limit, and it's just spilling over my limit. Now, um, in order to illustrate this, okay, I have a few things that I want to try not to spill. All right, and uh, we're going to. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna unpack this. Let's, let's go, let's rotate this. Okay? So I think in visuals, okay, so we're gonna get to all this stuff here in a minute, all right? Um, we don't have any science experiments or anything, but, but when I was growing up, uh, I, I grew up in the Midwest, and we didn't have ice makers. In fact, I know this sounds like super crazy, but like automatic ice makers I didn't know they existed until I was in high school. Friends, let me tell you, that, that's not culture's fault. That's my fault, okay? Guess what What I had to do? One of my jobs, I had to use one of these. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is an ice tray. You actually pour water into it, and then you place it in your freezer. Okay? That was my job. I learned, okay, that sometimes, okay, I would just, I would be in a hurry, you know, uh, okay, I fill up the ice trays. We had a big family, six kids. A big family, okay? I fill up the ice trays, plural. Go get the ice trays, turn on the faucet, stick them in. The ice cubes were like paper thin. And then they were really thick. So, so my, my mom would have said, Peter, you, you, you got you to gotta tilt it, and you got to fill the top, Right? So, so first fill the top row. And then once that top row's full, okay, so the top row's full, then what happens? Spills over in the other, other row. Does that make sense? So, so I'm, I want to use this illustration because when I, when I read Superbound, I, I realize that every resource has a key source, and every resource, resource that you have, that key source is God. So, so here's what happens is if I try my best, make sure I don't get my Bible all wet, okay? If I try my, my hardest to try to keep what God, no, no, don't spill, no, nah, oh, they don't need that much. Give me some more up front. It just goes right down. Why? Because God never meant for my ice cubes to get bigger. He meant for my resources to be spread around. And this is what a farmer once told me. (laughs) I was making some money, tearing down a barn for him. And he was a guy in our church, and he said, Peter, he has a big gruff voice, and he was scared seriously, he was he would scare you, okay? So Peter Schellenberger was his name. Peter. I give you this check. You got to make sure you give to the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's like, you know what a lot of money in a bank is? What? Like manure. <laughs> you pile it up and it stinks. You spread it around and it makes things grow. Wow. Yeah, Farmer Shell was onto something. <laughs> Wasn't he? I don't know where that guy is, but let me tell you, one day I crashed his... Uh, His snowmobile. That was not a good day. Not planning on saying that, but I couldn't help but remember it. (laughs) Let me tell you something, though. This This is what we're talking about. There are people down at the bottom of this tray that need those resources to not stop, but continue to flow. And the more they flow over, the more God pours. But listen, and and friend, please get this. God loves you, but he will not enable your self-centeredness. So what happens is we want God's blessing, but we don't want to keep sharing. But God will not keep blessing if we don't keep spilling over and sharing. So God's blessing only continues as our sharing continues. That's why this is so important. So if if you walked in, you're like, yeah, money is all about church, you know, whatever. Or church is all about money, whatever, you know. Uh, you guys know what I meant. Um, you know, like, what's all this stuff? It, it's, about, it's about tilting the tray. Because God's always going to tilt the tray. And, and when you feel like, oh, I'm running out of these resources, God, start pouring. And God's like, I'm waiting. <laughs> I want to start pouring. I want to start blessing, but, but we're all stopped up. Come on, we, we need to get some things flowing here. Like, we need to get some resources flowing. Now, now let me just stop and say something that I've never heard a pastor say. And, and if, I'm, if I'm honest, it's not even when i notes, but I know I need to say it. <laughs> and the, the tape's rolling. But if we ever get to a point, as a church, ever, where your resources can be better shared to help others someplace else, by all means, spill those resources into something or someone or someplace that is going out and reaching other people. So, so what I'm saying is not about the church. It's about the, 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 the action and the purpose and the mission of the church. See, this church is not a social club. It's not just to feel good about yourself on Sunday morning and then just fuel the self-centeredness. No, this church is actually to help people. It is a hospital for the soul. And from the very beginning of new life, we have endeavored to give people who needed it the most a new beginning, new life. And so what we're doing here is not about ourselves. It's about other people. So again, I'm going on record to say, man, if, if you can find, you know, If we ever stop our mission of helping and reaching other people, by all means, go take your resources to somewhere that's reaching and helping and serving other people as Jesus commanded us to. So I'm just being accountable to you in a second because because in a second I'm going to say, hey, listen, we all need to be a part of this, but I want you to know what we're being a part of. And tonight, we're going to have a, a gala. And let me just say something that if you do not own a black tie, please sign up and come. (laughs) So some of us are dressing up, but if you don't dress up, we still want you there, okay? Um, I'm not going to tell you what restaurant we're catering from because everyone would come, okay? But I want you to say, I want you to promise me something, that you're not just going to come for the food. Because tonight we're talking, not just talking about property we can use, we're talking about rescuing people who we can't afford to lose. So that's the purpose. This is not we're, not, we're not doing a gala for a piece of real estate. This is about people, real life people. So I'm going to tell you some stories, including my own, of some people who God has rescued through the efforts and can I say the funds that people in this room have decided to, have decided to spill over. They could have used it on a lot of other things, but they chose, you know what? I think we're going to spill over. And, and that spillover made a world of a difference to some people. I'm going to tell you some of those stories tonight, okay? RSVP so we have enough food, okay? So, but when we focus our resources on, in the right direction, it, it can really show us the health of our soul. Now, now here's the takeaway from this first point. I got to get off this first point because otherwise I'm going to stay here uh, way too long. But But the seed of greed lies deep within all of us. The seed of greed. And and it is is only giving generously that provides a cure. So so you say, well, I'm not greedy. We are all greedy. (laughs) We are all broken. We are all self-centered. Okay? From the moment we came out of our mothers, it was all about us. Me, me, me. Feed me, change me, wipe me, help me, hold me. And if you don't, I'll let you know. <laughs> now, now, some of you, that hits way too close to home. You're like, I'm barely awake. <laughs> that child. Yeah, but listen, that's that's our, that's our nature. That is our sinful nature. And so, Greed is a bet against God's providence. And it grows from a foolish sense of false security. Like, oh, I can I can do this. And God's sitting up. up and he's like, really? I, I give you all of this, and that's what you're gonna do? And so it is only when our heart is set on the needs of others that we can be freed from the bondage of greed. This is what Proverbs 28:22 says: He that hasteth to be rich. Hath an evil eye, and he, con- he considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Listen, when money is your main focus, you lose focus on what's most important. Let me One person put it this way. Money is a main way to express our love for others. But when our love for money is greater than our love for others, we have made money our master. And so contentment is the key for loving people over profit. Our culture has made it its goal to love profit more than people. This is how Paul said it in very, you know, frank terms to Timothy. Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6 verse number 8. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be, be content. But They that be, will be rich... Uh, fall into temptation and a snare. It doesn't mean that everyone who's rich falls into this, but this is a danger when you start to receive more resources. Um, And and many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. We're talking about the destruction of self-centeredness. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Let me stop there. Money is not evil. Money is a gift from God. If God gives you lots of money... It doesn't mean he loves you more than someone he doesn't give a lot of money to, okay? Money is not an indicator of God's love for you, okay? God loves you unconditionally regardless. He might give you more peace. He might give you more time. He might give you less time, okay? He might, give you, he might increase your bank account number, but also increase your, your, your responsibility and your accountability. Does that make sense? So, so let me just say something. Money is not evil, Talking about money is not evil. Let me go a step further. Wanting money is not evil. Oh, Oh, he said it. No. Wanting money the most is evil. Wanting money more than you want others to be helped is evil. And, And it's not just evil. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says, it's... Pretty much the root of it all. <laughs> it's pretty much how all the evil starts. Man, I know it's getting a little bit thick, okay? It's getting, it's getting pretty, pretty heavy, okay, when he says this. But some coveted after money, so they were really focused on money. And they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So wait a second, they, they wanted money, and they really just brought this down on themselves. And so, and so we understand that generosity sown in sincerity reaps a harvest that will last for eternity. No one escapes the consequences of, self, of self-focused life, but in others' focused life, man, it has great rewards. So the first reward okay, in this is, is the fact that there's a harvest coming. You sow generosity, and there's a harvest coming. One day, you're going to need someone else to be others-focused. You understand? And so we have to sow those seeds. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Now, also, we, we understand the, the next reward is that it makes heaven happy. So generosity doesn't just give you a harvest, but it gives heaven happiness. So that's letter B. So, so those are the two rewards. You have, you have this, this wonderful reward of a harvest coming, but then you also have the, the, the fact that it makes heaven happy. Look at verse number 18. I love this verse. I love this verse, okay? It says, but I have all, and abound. This is the word abound again that he was saying, like, I'm abounding. This is great, okay? And in full, having received of Epaphroditus, the guy who walked 800 miles, the things which are sent of you. Now, he says, an odor, Okay? Now, we use odor in a bad way. There's a really bad odor. You don't ever use odor in a good way in our culture. You know? He's like, uh, what cologne is that? It's, 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 a, it's an interesting odor. <laughs> uh, okay, no, 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 time out. He's using it in a good way. And, and, and it just is this, it, 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 actually the word odor is, is, is the Greek word. Okay, odor. Uh, so uh, a sweet smell, though, he says. A sacrifice acceptable. Well-pleasing to God. Now, all of us have smells, okay, that we're like, I love that smell, okay? I didn't want to produce a smell, okay, so you guys will get so hungry, you'll be looking at me like, end it now, okay? I've done that before, I've made that mistake, okay, but let me just tell you about a smell that I grew up smelling, okay? Cedar Rapids, Iowa is the home to Quaker Oats, It is the the hub of Quaker Oats. Largest Quaker Oats factory uh, in the world, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Every Thursday growing up, they would make Captain Crunch cereal. And the entire county smelled like Captain Crunch. Every Thursday. (sighs) Guess how many times we ate Captain Crunch on Thursday? All day. Why? Why? We were smelling it. Now, what Paul's saying in this verse is he's referencing back to the temple. And he was saying they would burn the incense to God. They would burn the sacrifices to God. And it created an incredible smell all throughout Jerusalem. And everyone would say, oh, love the Lord. Oh, love that smell. Man, God's blessing us. God's helping us. It was it was a it was a Captain Crunch moment. Okay, they were they they were breathing in that smell, and it was bringing them this momentary happiness to say, "Wow, I can't I I can't believe that 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 I get to be a part of that. I can't believe that I get to receive that sweet odor, that sweet smell. Like it just kind of lifts the spirit. And this is what Paul was saying in Second Corinthians nine seven uh, when he said that. That God loves a cheerful giver. He's he's accepting that. He's, He's so thankful for that. Now let me just stop and say that if you are giving to go to heaven, that's not how this works. See, let me tell you something. Money isn't everything. Money can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you rest. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a happy home. Money can buy you a wedding, but it can't buy you a happy marriage. Money, money can buy you a lot of things, but let me tell you, there's some things money can't buy. One of them, it can buy a crucifix, but it can't buy a Savior. And it can buy a church building, but it can't buy heaven. So we have to come to the realization that God is wanting us to give, but first He wants, to, he wants us to know what He's given. He's given His Son. He has given His Son. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that what? He gave he gave his son uh he 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 sacrificed his son and by the way it was well pleasing to him how did that work because he saw what it would do for us and God is so grateful and so thankful for when people decide to place their faith in Jesus Christ his son if you're here you're like I don't know about giving I don't know about all this stuff Let me just say something, that Jesus died so that he could set you free from your sin. And everything we're doing in this moment, okay, is to try to tell people about that. So the greatest others focus is to be focused on others receiving Jesus as their Savior. Did you know that heaven is the happiest when you receive Jesus as your Savior? And in fact, in Luke chapter 15, and verse number 7, it says this, He says that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, that repenteth. Now tonight we're going to talk about how many sinners have repented and received Jesus at New Life. And there's hundreds of you. And it's crazy awesome. And I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait to tell you. I want to preach that tonight. Uh, So I'm going to just stop on that. But let me just say something. That that there is an eruption of applause and an eruption of celebration. And and Moses is high-fiving Paul. And David is chest-bumping Jonathan when someone in this room decides, I'll take Jesus. Like, I'll believe in Jesus. Let me tell you, that's bigger than anything else that is happening on the planet. And so receiving Jesus is the first step. After you receive Jesus, then you want to steward what happens and is going to happen for eternity. So here's the key thought, that a wise steward seizes an opportunity to influence eternity. We must steward this influence. Now, here's the crazy thing. So this church of Philippi, they gave this big gift, okay? Verse 21 through 23, guess what Paul throws in? Oh, by the way, fruit to your account. What do you mean, fruit to our account? This is what he says. Verse 20, 21, uh, Philippians uh, 21, salute all the saints in Christ Jesus. He's kind of doing like a closing benediction to the, to the end of the, you know, here we go. Brethren which are, uh, me, uh, the Brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly, he's just kind of throwing this in there, chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. I think think that would have been a jaw dropper. Wait a second. Some people of Caesar's household got saved? Some people of Caesar's household decided to be Jesus followers? Like, that's a big deal. They gave to Paul. They encouraged Paul. They helped Paul. And Paul led to Christ, some of Caesar's household. Do you know who this was? This was Nero's family. Nero, the one who burned down Rome and blamed it on the Christians. The one who, who, who did despicable things with all sorts of criminal uh, you know, activity as, 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 as an emperor. I mean, he took all the Christians out of Rome and, and told them they had to stay out for five years, and then when he died, they were able to go back. I mean, this is a bad dude, but, but some of his family... We're saved because of of the gift they gave to Paul. And so Paul said, I am full. He's like, man, I'm just fulfilled. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just into this. And Paul, what he was saying, and we'll talk about this tonight, is he's saying, thank you for sowing this because the harvest was so great and it made heaven so happy. You know what makes heaven so happy? Is when we decide to change over from being a coaster to a sower. And let me just encourage you, okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the pressure on me on this one. That when you decide, I'm not just going to coast through life, and then whatever happens at the end, I'll deal with then. But you say, I'm going to sow into eternity. God will do some things that you will never forget. I really want to teach this to my boys, but Chandler's still learning this. So let me show you a video. He's, he's, still, he's still learning. He's still in coaster mode in some areas, okay? Literally, okay? So watch this. This is a few weeks ago. Uh, we were tearing down. Okay? I don't know if you can hear it. Doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. But mostly riding. And riding. Work. Mostly riding. We're mostly riding. Yeah. <laughs> he did do some he work, though. Work, so. You did work a lot. You did a good job. Uh, you get tired after working. <laughs> yep. You get a little tired after a while. Okay, after doing one little thing and then jumping up on the cart and riding. Oh, it's so tiring. We're, me and Johnny are pushing the cart. He's up there. Oh, oh, This is tough, guys. I'm like, come on, man. You know, sewing's pretty easy until it's not. The thing about sewing and about giving, it's pretty easy to do, but let me just remind you that it's easier not to do. And so what I want to remind you as we we give the final point and close is that there is a harvest coming and that our willingness for generosity shows our progress for maturity. So I want to grow with all of you. We will never grow past our ability to get past ourselves and to start pouring into others. Okay, so how do we do this, and what does God do to to help us do this? Okay, verse number 19. Okay, And, and, and before we read verse number 19, I have to tell you. So, first, the resources, or first, the rewards for being focused on others, but now let's look at the resources, okay? All right, here's the resources. The resources for focusing on others come from God in letter A, okay? God's supply can never run dry. God's supply can never run dry. You say, how am I supposed to spill? How, my, my, my ice tray, uh, my Wells Fargo, my Chase Bank ice tray, it's feeling pretty razor thin. How's this supposed to happen? You were never supposed to do it on your own. You, you give and then it's given. And so his, his this is, this is what Paul said in verse number 19. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Everyone say his riches. his riches. His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It is his riches, not your riches, that you rely on to, in order to reach out and touch the lives of others. So when Jesus said in Luke 6, and I love this, Give and it... Look at this. Give and it shall be given. What is it? There is, no, there is no antecedent to that pronoun, English teachers. So what is the it? The it can only be what has been given. So when we give, it is given just as it was given. So if you... Give a little, he gives a little. If you give a lot, he gives a lot. You see that? So, so look, let's see. How much does he give? Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over. As men will give under your bosom, for the same, the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured measured under you again. That's a scary verse because what that verse says is that God's supply is ready. It's ready to be poured into those who are willing to put God first. Now, enter Malachi 3.10. And I want to warn you that this verse is in the Old Testament, but I want to warn you that you probably have misunderstood this verse before. That's why I'm saying it. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That was back then. This is now. Keep reading. (laughs) Okay? That there may be meat enough in my house. Prove me now. Everyone say now. Okay? You're not going to wait Okay, we're going to prove him now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I mean, he's just like, I'm just waiting. Come on, just test me. Just try me. I'm just pouring out, ruining my other illustrations. Okay, so pour out a blessing that there should be meat enough. Now, here's, here's what this is trying to say. It's not saying that they weren't giving. Okay? I pulled this out of our fridge this morning. Danielle's going to kill me. <laughs> These are leftovers from last week. I'm scared to even open this. But let me just say something. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it's, it, if I opened this up, the back row, I'd give it five minutes. You'd, you'd smell it. Okay? Now, now, let me tell you. Do you, do you know why? This was, this was not used, okay? You know why we, you know why we didn't use this? Because we didn't eat it all when it was first made. You're like, wow, that was brilliant, okay? <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. This verse is not about not giving. In fact, he says, will a man rob God? You've robbed me. You haven't given me. And so I'm going to curse you. I'm not going to bless you. Whoa, God. He's not talking about not giving. I used to think this was about not giving. If you don't give, God's going to come down. He's got the hammer waiting. No, he's got the blessing waiting. But here's what he's trying to teach us. Oh, man, it really did ruin this. He's trying to teach us this. That when we place our budget, okay, now now we're really getting serious, and, and we place God's goals just at the end, and we're like, okay, God, I'll help you, I'll help others, but you're just going to get my leftovers. Regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they are, God's goals should not be taken care of with our leftovers. And so what this verse is about is turning your budget upside down, where God's goals come first, and then your budget. Turn it upside down. And just say, God, I'm going to put you first, and I'm going to let you provide for the rest. That is how it's supposed to work. Some of you are terrified right now. And I want you to know, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You don't want a doctor that's going to sugarcoat the diagnosis. I want to tell you how to get God's blessings. And as we end, I want you to understand that His supply will never run dry. So here's the key thought. It is impossible to sacrifice beyond the limits of God's supply. It's impossible. And so his supply will never run dry. And then in verse number 19 and 20, God's guarantee is always trustworthy. It's always trustworthy. So what's his guarantee? That he shall, not might, he shall supply. And the word supply is the same word full. I am full and abound. He was full, they supplied. They supplied, he was full. And so the supply comes from Jesus. Here's the key thought that often our questions about God's goodness or God's provision, God's goodness to us are born out of our own covetousness. You see, God has blessed us, but we've labeled his blessing as not enough. We've labeled his blessing as, oh, but, but there's some things I need. And until we realize, wait a second, I'm not gonna allow the things I quote unquote need, those new kicks, those, you know, whatever it is that, that, that third world countries would like, be like, what, that's not a need. When, when we start labeling need, wants as needs, God says, well, hold on, I'm backing up. But when we understand that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that covetousness should not be a part of the conversation, we will understand that God is able to give all grace to those that are bound in the blessings of God and allow the work of God to flow through and in them. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. And that is this that God's infinite resources are ready to meet the needs of those who are focused on meeting the needs of others. Everyone say, others. others. Say it again, others. So let me illustrate this, 60 seconds, then we'll be done. Here it is, okay? Take all this off. So when we understand that God is trying to get us to focus on others, here's the problem. We say, well, God, I would focus on others, but I only got so much cereal to go around. So I need every bit I got. Pretty good. So you say, yeah, I mean, I'll give a little, but I mean, come on. I got a little. So giving a little is a pretty big sacrifice for someone who has a little. I get it. I get it. What we are forgetting is that it is not about the size of what you have. It is about the size of the supply that no matter how much you give, he can keep giving. Now, I've already given that illustration, but I want you to understand something. That we look at people with a greater capacity and we say, they should give. I mean, I don't even have corners on mine. Look at how fancy it is. They even got a little place for their spoon. Look at the car they're driving, right? Let them give. And what we're saying is, you've already given them a blessing and you haven't given me one. So God, until you give me a blessing, I'm not going to give you one. And that is so dangerous because what we're telling God is we're telling God how to bless us. Can I tell you something, fam? He doesn't like that. And and, and the reason why is because he loves you, and maybe he's trying to teach you how he gives to you, and maybe you're holding something that wasn't yours in the first place. Maybe he blessed you, like we said at the beginning, so that you could be a blessing. Maybe the whole reason why that big business thing happened or maybe that big something happened because he wanted something big to happen through you. And so it doesn't matter. The the size, I mean, someone say, well, I mean, I don't have a little, but I mean, I don't have a lot either, right? And so it's really scary because God doesn't say, I will give to you, I will give a ton to you and I mean, I'll just keep giving and giving and giving, and I'll just keep giving. And then, and then every once in a while, like if it's like too much, you can just kind of like scoop it over. Like, oh, okay, here we go. Right? No, he says, first you give, and then I give. Do You see the, see the process? So the scary thing is, the first step is yours. <laughs> oh, God, no, no, you take the first step. First step's ours. And God says this. That I have a limitless. So he's like, man, prove me. And I will, let me tell you something. I'm going to pour it out. It's going to be like crazy. You say, that's the problem. I've never experienced crazy. I want the crazy blessing. Let me, t- let, me, let me end with this. That it's not about the size of your gift that God's looking at. It is about the heart of your sacrifice. So let me, let me encourage everyone in here, people who don't know Christ, who want to know him, people who are brand new to new life, everyone in between. Let me encourage you this, and that is, I believe that everyone is wired to worship. Everyone needs to give. God loves a cheerful giver, but it will take a tearful giver. And I will say this, that I would encourage everyone to be a part of what is happening at New Life. Why? Because everyone needs to give. Everyone was made to give. And so do we have a big, like, number goal of what we're trying to get at New Life? And I'm going to stand up here and, you know, well, we haven't hit it yet. No. This isn't about working up. It's not about emotion. It's about the grace of God enabling you. What I've tried to show you today is that God made you to do this. And that we're going to either be obedient or we're not. And that everyone should be involved. So our goal is not a number goal. Our goal is a participation goal. We are partners in this. And so here's my heart and prayer. That if you're brand new and you say, I'll give a dollar. Or if you've been here a long time and you want to give more than a dollar. And I pray that you do. But I would say that everyone being involved is our goal. participation is what we're looking for. Why? Because that is what God loves. He loves when we are doing this together as a team. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.